Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is May 2nd. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block and we're going to take a look at the rest of Luke chapter 14 and then get into Luke chapter 15 as well. I don't want to take a ton of time with the rest of Luke chapter 14 because we're just going to see so many incredible things this week. But there is one part of Luke chapter 14 that I absolutely love and I just really want to talk about it. So at the beginning part of Luke chapter 14, remember the Savior is going to teach about the parable of the supper where he invites people to come and eat and they make excuses to not come. Now from there, the Savior is going to teach his disciples about true discipleship and that true discipleship has a cost. It has a price. Starting in verse 27, it says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? So in that verse and in the verses that follow, he talks about the importance of really considering our actions. I love that phrase, count the cost. In the things that we do in our lives, are we counting the cost? In the choices that we make, are we counting the cost to make sure that the result of our choices will lead to greater discipleship? Discipleship often has a price that we have to pay, but it is a price that is so incredibly worth it. Elder Anderson once gave a talk about the cost of discipleship, and in that he tells this story. He said, I had just returned home from my mission. So much seemed ahead of me. Would I be able to consistently make the right choices throughout my life? Then Elder Gordon B. Hinckley spoke in general conference of meeting a young naval officer from Asia. The officer had not been a Christian, but during training in the United States, he had learned about the church and was baptized. He was now preparing to return to his native land. President Hinckley asked the officer, Your people are not Christians. What will happen when you return home a Christian? and more particularly, a Mormon Christian. The officer's face clouded, and he replied, My family will be disappointed. As for my future and my career, all opportunity may be foreclosed against me. President Hinckley asked, Are you willing to pay so great a price for the gospel? With his dark eyes moistened by tears, he answered with a question, It's true, isn't it? President Hinckley responded, Yes, it is true. To which the officer replied, then what else matters? Through the years, I have reflected on these words. It's true, isn't it? Then what else matters? These questions have helped me put difficult issues in proper perspective. Of course, for all of us, there are other things that matter. When I heard President Hinckley's talk as a 21-year-old, I needed to be serious about my studies. I needed employment to keep me in school. Somehow I had to figure out how to convince a special young lady that she should take a chance on me. I enjoyed other worthy activities. How do we find our way through the many things that matter? We simplify and purify our perspective. Some things are evil and must be avoided. Some things are nice. Some things are important. And some things are absolutely essential. My friends, as we make choices, we need to count the cost of discipleship and make the choices that will lead us closer to the Savior and avoid the things and the choices that would have us making excuses not to come unto him. It's not easy. That means sacrifices are made, and the Savior talks about those sacrifices here in this chapter. Sometimes we sacrifice for the gospel, but it is a price worth paying. Elder Faust said it this way, 
everything in life has a price. Considering the Savior's great promise for peace in this life and eternal life in the life to come, discipleship is a price worth paying. It is a price we cannot afford not to pay. By measure, the requirements of discipleship are much, much less than the promised blessings. The disciples of Christ receive a call not only to forsake the pursuit of worldly things, but to carry the cross daily. My friends, as we are willing to pay the price of discipleship and to carry the cross that comes with that discipleship, our hearts will be changed and we will be blessed in abundance as we come unto Christ. So let's jump over into Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 contains probably some of the most iconic parables that the Savior taught. And it's a series of three parables that teach about the Savior being the Lord of lost things. He's going to teach the parable of the lost sheep and leaving the ninety and nine. He's going to teach the parable of the lost coin and searching the house and rejoicing. And then he's going to teach the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Today, we're going to just focus on the first two, and we're not going to talk a ton about the actual parables and what it means that the Lord loves lost things, because we talked about that on April 18th. So if you didn't listen to April 18th and that podcast about the Savior being the Lord of the lost things, I encourage you to go back to listen to that because it's going to talk about those same principles that we're going to see here in these two parables. But I did want to share part of a talk by Kieko Okasaki, because in this talk, she's going to share some thoughts about these parables that I had never considered before. And she's going to talk about what it would have been like to have been that lost sheep or that lost coin. She says, Jesus told this parable as one of three about lost things. The first was a parable of the lost sheep that had accidentally gone astray, not meaning to leave the flock, but not paying attention to where its search for grass was taking it until it had gone out of sight and perhaps gotten itself into a difficulty that made it unable to come back without help. The third parable is a story about the prodigal son, who willfully chose to leave his father's house and then compounded his initial mistake with a series of other mistakes until he had squandered his inheritance, been reduced to fighting with pigs for enough food to keep from starving, and finally looked at his situation and exercised his agency to return to his father's house. And in the middle is the second parable, the parable of the lost coin. The situation of the coin is different. The coin was passive, inert. It had no agency to exercise. It was not seeking anything when it became lost. In fact, something the woman did must have contributed to its loss. Perhaps she tipped over the jar in which she kept her money, and it rolled into a dark corner without her noticing as she gathered up the other nine coins. Perhaps it was laying on the table, and the edge of her sleeve brushed it as she quickly went about her duties. Perhaps one of the children saw that it was bright and shiny and took it into a corner to play with it. In any case, the coin became separated from the rest of the treasure and was in danger of being overlooked and lost permanently. Fortunately, the woman noticed that it was missing and took the extraordinary action of lighting a candle to illuminate every dark corner. Then she swept diligently until the coin tumbled back into visibility. Her attitude was obviously, as for me and my house, we are going to find this coin. Now, in some ways, this may apply to the situation of some Latter-day Saints. You may feel that you're an ordinary coin, just like all the others in your ward and stake. 
But something happens, an accident, an oversight, insensitivity, carelessness on someone's part, a bitter word, or perhaps even a deliberate maliciousness. But something gives you a push away from the other coins. You feel marginalized, ostracized, and even shoved to the borders of your group. Maybe gravity or other social forces take over then, and you roll away into a dark corner. But after finding the lost coin, the woman called her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. And the father of the prodigal son ordered a feast and merrymaking to mark the return of his lost son. Remember that rejoicing if there are moments when you feel lost, estranged, and pushed out to the margins of your ward or stake. You are never on the margins of your father's love. You are always in his heart and hands. My friends, I love what she teaches here. That no matter the reason why we're lost, whether it's just because we're so busy focusing on other things or whether we've been pushed aside or whether it's of our own choices, that the Savior is aware of us. We are not lost to him and he is making efforts to bring us back to his fold and rejoices when we make the choice to come back. My friends, in my life, I have witnessed times when the Savior in his infinite love and grace has reached out to me and pulled me back to him. It is a beautiful thing to recognize and to see his hand in our lives, calling out to us and bringing us safely home with him. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 